Let's see. Checking some emails. Oh, boy. Here's one, I guess, from my former editor regarding an invoice. Oh, boy. Did you ever send payment for the April-May invoice earlier in this email chain? I didn't ever receive it. You know, when you mess up, just say so. Own it. Tell the truth. Uh, My response... Probably because I fucked up. Got drunk and passed out in a drainage culvert, and my neighbor said I was over his property line and claimed me as a slave, and I was too hungover to fight back. He kept me in his basement for several days, and I was only allowed one Applebee's per day, but mostly I had to make corn dolls for his online business, but just this morning I was able to kill him with a rake and finally check my email. Vendor Management 101, people. Welcome to Breakup Gaming Society. This is the Lord Chief Rocker, number one Chief Rocker. Here with um, another installment of booze, board games, and hip-hop. Haven't picked a track of the week yet, but I'm going to drop in a big segment that is going to stand in for Game of the Week and Drink of the Week as we had a guest from across the pond, our first international guest. A game gentleman, by the way, of uh, by the name of Benjamin Schmaus, who responded to my request to come on and tell a story... <laughs> A very silly way to uh, play a game, actually two games all inebriated. And as the conversation unspooled, also turns out that he's a con- uh, contributed uh, designs to not only a Root, but a very fascinating, really just like, looks like electrifyingly tense and kind of silly and gorgeous game called Planet uh, Station Fall, rather. I guess he contributed some design elements to that as well. And eventually the conversation gets onto rum, which we don't talk a a lot about on this show, except for the one time way back when Tweak was still a cast member and he brought a really crappy rum and we talked about it, but Benjamin's more of a connoisseur. So here we go. Benjamin Schmaus talking about Double Drunken Avalon, Station Fall, and Rum. I'm in a game of the week. I'm in a track of the week. I'm in a combination game of the week and track of the week. So this is a banner moment for game of the week segment because this is the first time that we will have had an international guest. I want all seven of our Breakup Gaming Society listeners to rise and salute to Benjamin Schmaus calling us from London. Hello, Benjamin. Hello there. Um, so a little bit about how this came about and why Benjamin is here. A few months ago, I started a snotty little thread on a snotty little subreddit with the general thrust being, share us your stories of just drunken debacles in board gaming. And 
you what I was expecting was more of a okay this started out in earnest and then sort of melted down but it turned out Benjamin had an interesting story because he and his friends actually architect a very complex inebriated form of a game and I asked if he would come on to break up gaming society and tell the story and he agreed Benjamin thank you happy to be here so what Benjamin described was basically he and a group of friends getting together to play I believe it's a social deduction game called Avalon and not only that but they would run the game in parallel, two games at once while drinking. But let's back up a minute for those of us who may not be familiar at all. Benjamin, could you sort of just tell us what Avalon is to start with? Yeah, Avalon the Resistance is the follow-up to the classic Resistance game, which kind of is a follow-up to the Werewolf game series. So you have two teams, and um, one is a minority, the other traitors, and they're trying to undermine um, the winning team, right? And trying to stay hidden for as long as they can. Um, Avalon is, I think, special because it is quite a game that is, let's say, I mean, it, it's a difficult term for social deduction games, but I would call it hardcore, as in the game lasts like an hour, 45 minutes to an hour. You have a lot of factors to consider. You can get quite competitive about it because there's a huge difference in um, someone who is inexperienced, someone who is experienced. Um, yes. And now playing one game of Avalon, obviously, is by itself quite challenging. Um, I, I can describe if you want some of the, the details of play, if that helps. I have a partial frame of reference, and that is mm -hmm. years ago, we did own a copy of The Resistance and mm -hmm. played it, usually while inebriated. And The, and the Resistance, again, uh, Benjamin just said yeah, it's a social deduction game. It's, ba it's basically the co components are rarely more complex than a few cards or maybe a few tokens. And the idea is, yes, some of the uh, players have secret assigned roles and you don't know exactly what their agenda is. And the thing that makes the game go is lying, <laughs> gaslighting, misdirection. And if, yeah, if you want to find out how good your friends can stare you in the face and lie to you, it's a good thing. And now, and I understand it. Avalon, and thank you, by the way, for placing the Resistance in its lineage of games. I didn't realize uh, Resistance came from the sort of werewolf-er design. So th that's interesting. But Avalon, as I understand it, is the same thing, except it happens in King Arthur's Court. Yes? No? No. I, I think oh. the key difference is that um, games like Werewolves were fairly unstructured. And then the resistance began to, to kind of put a proper structure of there's five rounds, right? And there's a certain specific set of information. Well, games like Werewolves are quite random. Avalon is quite the opposite. And it goes very strong, not just in bluffing, but also deduction, right? So if you think the way it works is each round, um, someone has to propose a mission and then everybody votes if they want this mission to go ahead. So you have a table of, let's say, eight people, and someone said, those three people are going to go into the mission. I'm one of them, and I'm going to pick, I don't know, Frank and Peter to go with me. And then everyone else gets to vote if they think this mission should go ahead or not. And so as an Avalon player, what you do is you remember who put whom in the mission and who voted who, 
And then you remember about um, up to 25 different instances of this happening over the course <laughs> of the game and try to find in this patterns of who proposes who and who votes which way. And in the same time, who says what and who looks at whom to try to make sense who is lying and who isn't lying. So there's like a lot of information going on that you can pick up. Um, yes, that uh, that sounds like a lot of rounds of resistance I played. But so what, mm -hmm. so what I'd like to know, Benjamin, is what possessed you and your friends to try to play two games at once and not do it while sober? So we've been playing a lot. And we were talking, you know, probably several hundred games at this point. That was our go-to game. Um, and we had a group of friends who initially met at a um, London gaming meetup. Um, it's called um, London on Board. And they, they, every day of the week at some pub in London, up to 80 people or so are meeting to play games. Oh, that's, so, a, healthy, that's a healthy group. It, it's excuse me. I mean, there's, you know, it's not always the same, obviously. So you have like, you know, hundreds of different people joining on different days. And we kind of split out from there as a um, group. And we just, you know, group of friends hanging out, drinking, as you do. And we wanted to play Avalon. So we played normal Avalon. And as the evening had on and we were more and more drunk, we felt the need to up the stakes. So someone proposed to, hey, this is lame. Let's play two rounds, I think two games at the same time because we have two copies here. It's going to be new. It's going to be different. And then we just drunkenly figured out how would it actually work that you play two games at the same time. And we kind of come up with a rough like round structure and then just, you know, grabbed a couple of sleeves, sleeved one copy in a different color sleeves and then just played two games at the same time. And it was utter mayhem, obviously, with some people in the middle just saying, I give up on game one, I'm only focusing on game two now, sorry guys, <laughs> or some people mixing up on which team they are, or mixing up the information, um, and it probably took about one and a half to two hours as well. Speaking from just my own experience, when I'm in my cups, I scarcely have the bandwidth to keep all the clues and input from one game straight, much less, yes, remember <laughs> a different set of clues I'm supposed to have stored somewhere in my head when I move to the other table. Can, if, if you can, uh, <laughs> did, did uh, any of these games ever erupt into physical violence? <laughs> no, we're, we're all pacifists. <laughs> fair, fair enough. And um, when, when was the, so this is something that you still do in London? Uh, we haven't actually played Avalon for a while. First, there was obviously quite recently a global pandemic. And yep. so gaming in larger group had been quite limited. So you really only want to play Avalon, I would say eight to 10 people. Um, and then even before that, in the one to two years, a lot of people moved around and we really haven't gotten that many people together for it. We did once and then everybody refused to play again. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're like, Let, let's play double Avalon, get drink. And everybody was like, no, that's not. Well, at, at, at least you, you took the adventure. And um, by, by the way, out of curiosity, when you get together with your group, what do you drink? <laughs> so 
a lot of people are the classic, obviously, like beer and cider drinker. But um, I personally have a vast rum collection and I'm a cocktail fiend. So this is my um, drink of choice. Interesting. You know that there's never been a rum. Actually, once, once, several, several episodes ago, somebody brought a, a cheap syrupy rum called Black Magic. It, was, it wasn't good. Um, what, what, <laughs> Benjamin, when you want to treat yourself saying this is going to be a good night, what, what kind of rum is on your table? What's your favorite go-to? Um, I like, obviously, the Caribbean one. So um, mm. Mount Gay XO is From fantastic. Barbados. Yeah. I actually went there to visit a brewery on holidays. Uh, uh, that's something you and I have, have in common. My junior year in college, I got invited to go there for spring break. Mm. I had a buddy whose father was with the UN and he was stationed there. And I was there during harvest time and the whole island just reeks of sugar from all the, <laughs> all, all the cane being harvested. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, I, and if I remember, Barbados had the signature rum, which was, mm -hmm. and then their signature beer, which is Banks. Oh, I skipped that. But I, I had a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so 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 Caribbean rums. Okay, good to know. Um, There's also the um, German's Reserve in Saint Lucia, and I. I went there as well, obviously, to the brewery while I was there, a neighboring island. And they have as amazing a um bottle called for, for um a bottle called Forgotten Cask. And the Forgotten Cask, the brewery had burned down in the past. And after they cleared the rubble from the fire, they rebuilt the brewery and uh, resumed production. But then a few years later, among the rubble that they had cleared aside, they found a forgotten cask. That had been matured 10, 15 years longer than it was supposed to. And they're selling this as a forgotten cask bottle that is um, only available in St. Lucia. And it's obviously delicious. Yeah. And, and it also makes me wonder if the fact that it was in a fire also didn't <laughs> do something to the, the character of the liquor. Interesting, interesting to think about. And, and, and you said uh, you're, you're a, somewhat of a mixologist. Uh, what, what is there such thing that I generally during the cold months, I drink moonshine, tequila and bourbon. Ah. And, and generally, if I have something I like, I will just pour it in a glass and sip it. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll sip it at first and then I'll take big drinks and forget the rest of the night. However, is there such thing for you, Benjamin, as a sipping rum or do you generally mix it in a cocktail? I mean, it depends. For example, the Mount Gay XO, you only want to drink straight basically anything else and you you miss out on the on the very smooth taste but i personally usually drink the um old-fashioned oh an old-fashioned but made with rum with rum as well yeah i also have specific bourbons that i only buy for old fashions uh do you mind sharing oh yeah it's the um the four roses is ah yes is my favorite bourbon for old fashions, and also the um, the um, what's it called the the bullet one is um, the classic. Bullet. So if you go in any upscale um, cocktail bar, they will use the bullet bourbon for um, old fashions. Bullet, excellent. And just out of curiosity, I think probably in memory, 
you know, the last few years of things I've drank, probably my favorite, just pour it in a glass and sip it, is probably uh, Basil Hayden. Ooh, yeah, it's nice. Those are, it's like candy. But in either case, um, this is the Colonel Hector Bravado here with Benjamin Schmaus, a native of Germany, but currently a resident of London, who agreed to come on and explain his Reddit comment about how, <laughs> A, his game group managed to drink while playing two simultaneous games of Avalon, and B, apparently led to their never wanting to do it again. <laughs> but uh, ben Benjamin, thank you again for making time in your day for us and come back on the show anytime. We anything related tangentially to booze, board games, or hip hop. Always happy to have you back, sir. Sure. Can can I do a shameless self plug at the end of this thing? Yeah, would you please? The floor is yours. I would highly recommend that everybody go onto the late pledge and back a game called Station Four. Because the bots and the solar mode were designed by yours truly. And would, I'm sorry, would you say the name of that again? Station Fall. Station Fall? Yeah, it, it's about a space station in orbit crashing onto, um, onto Earth, really. Mm. It, and uh, is, is there a, a sorry, you, in case you didn't say it, is there a URL people should go to? What's the best place to learn about Station Fall? Probably typing into Google Stationfall Kickstarter. It's a game by um, Iron Games. So they have the PAX Premier, um, PAX Renaissance, PAX Viking series. And you said you did part of the game design or the visual design? Um, the solo mode and the bots for it, which allows people to play at low player count. And in the, in the world of sort of, uh, now that we're on the subject, in the world of, as is so often the case, is it a cooperative game or competitive? It, it's a competitive heist game. It's... Oh, okay. Mm, so I played the, um, the pen and, uh, sorry, the um, uh, print, printed play version once and immediately decided to um, help them with the solo mode and immediately catapulted it to one of my top games ever. The best way to describe the game is, it is a heist game where each player tries to have a different heist in the same location with the same crew. Interesting. You, you know, I bought, um, I recently bought uh, Never Bring a Knife, which is- Never Bring a Knife. It's from the it's from Atlas Games, the same the same makers who did Gloom. Ah, and and it, it seems like sort of a, a cross between Cash and Guns and the Resistance, except without the foam guns. And uh, when you so when you said competitive heist game, yes, when you said competitive uh, competitive heist game, that that sounds and it's all happening aboard. You have to steal things aboard a crashing space station. Yeah, it depends which character you have. So you could be a telepathic rat that just wants to, a telepathic rat that just wants to hoard cool items and set everything on fire. You could be <laughs> the station, you could be the station chief and you want your officers off the ship, but yourself, you want to go down at the helm. You could be, you know, 
um, an experiment go wrong once revenge on the officer. So like based on who you are, they're very different objectives to, to complete. I only can highly, highly recommend looking into it. Their late pledges open until December. Okay, so so once again, that was uh, Benjamin, who not only captained some ambitious drinking games, but is also involved in the design of Stationfall. Uh, 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 sounds like a wild heist game aboard a crashing space station, which you can find on Kickstarter. Uh, Benjamin, this is actually something I'm going to go read about right now, and 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 I hope that some of our listeners will investigate it as well. It's it's always fun to see just the the niches and the the twists on various gameplay models that independent creators come up with so um benjamin thank you again best of luck to your launch i will do my small part to make sure people know about it and come back anytime we'd love to have you all right thank you very much then and until next time it was a pleasure to be here roger that i'm going to give you the breakup gaming society toast benjamin may you fight long and well May you fight long and well. Track of the week. Get this barbershop quartet bullshit out of here. What the hell yeah, is this supposed to be a damn Geritol boy band you got going on here? Shit is kind of stupid. Fucking Next. Garbage. Relax and take a seat. Sit back and play the beats and blast it in your Jeep. It's the track of the week. I'm ratchet in the streets. Talk trash to the geeks. Get smacked in the beat. It's the track of the week. Some songs hit your late teenage mind with such force that they just burn themselves into your neural pathways and you become addicted to them. Such is the case with Butcher Shop by Cool G Rap and DJ Polo. Um, I'm not going to oversell this one because if this big noisy snare and that little hook and that opening scratch don't get you ready for a party? I don't know what to say. These are also some of my favorite songs to feature because, you know, one of the Hallmarks, the beautiful hallmarks of Golden Era that is lost is the DJ Boast track, where they'll dedicate a whole song just talking about what a badass this DJ is. Also, this is one of those pre gangster era Cool G rap slabs. Um, it was off, I think, Road to, Road to the Riches, which just has some great, great tracks. Big fun beats, and you know. Later, Cool G successfully invents himself not long after this as a, a gritty gangster rhymer and, and did it effectively. He still, even if he never got the sales, he still has the respect. But on this track, a younger version of him just kind of brag about his DJ. Survivors and reciters don't mean to offend you. It's all because send you, but I'm not a menu. So don't bite, I swallow, or fight the follow, recite, or borrow rhymes and want to give them back tomorrow. Well, always like Zorro, war hero, horror, terror, errors, zero. Love that. Polo is like Zorro, war hero, horror, terror, errors, zero.
this track was a watershed listening moment for me also because I found it listening to The Colors soundtrack, which is a dumb movie. And the most famous song from it, the title track by Ice-T, actually is not the best. Butcher Shop, Roxanne Shantae's Go On Girl, and Raw by Big Daddy Kane are also on that. The rest is kind of a weird grab bag of never wases and has-beens, but holy shit, those three tracks. That that soundtrack was the first time I ever heard Big Daddy Kane. Changed my freaking life, man. And, and before we go, kind of bookend the thought about vendor management we had with the last email in the chain that was referenced at the very beginning where Glix Fagor, the impaler, asked me quite reasonably where his money was. And I made up a story about being enslaved by a neighbor. Um, it was silly, but one of the things I love about Glix Fagor is it's impossible to throw him. After I sent him that story, he replied thusly, I am glad you escaped the clutches of the corn doll king. He once attempted to do the same to me. He actually just let me go because I was enjoying making the corn dolls too much. I had too many lovely dolls. They were my friends. And I imagine we all lived in a small farming community out there in southern Colorado. There was Hank. He was a tough old cob. Owned the farm. Tough. Hard working. Expected you to work hard too. Good fellow, though. He'd do anything for you. And of course, little Kenny. Just a half-nub cob. But what a cute kid. He had a paper route and a lemonade stand. And of course, there was Alice. She was a blue corn cob. Not blue as in sad, but blue as in smurf. Like Smurfette. Alice and I had a bit of a thing going on for a while. But the corn doll king disapproved. He took Alice from me. But I didn't care. I went ahead and made Sally. Sally was a sweet yellow corn. She really was so sweet. She and I, oh my yes, the fun times we had. Like when I stuck her up my butt. <laughs>